so it wasn't a specific church. Not to say that any particular message or word from the Bible is just for one local assembly, but we know we find a lot of the epistles titled to certain churches, whether it was in Ephesus, whether it was in Philippi, Thessalonica, amen, Galatia. We find these epistles titled to these different places, amen? But in James, you don't find a title to a local assembly or a local body, amen? But it's for all of us. All of us who believe and follow Jesus as our Lord and personal Savior, just like all scripture. Amen? Amen. So when we find James here, he's encouraging us that when we go through temptations and trying times in our life, he wants us to understand that God is working something out in our life. He's developing something in us that he may work something out of us. Amen? See, if God doesn't first do a work in us, he can't work nothing through us and out of us. Amen? Amen. So God uses situations and circumstances that these will help us as believers to get better. So James is encouraging us as Christians to count it all joy when we fall into diverse temptation. That's what he talks about in verse 2. And as he moves forward, he talks about how when we let patience have its perfect work, that we will be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. In other words, as believers, when we continue to trust God and let God work in our life, we get better and better. We get better and better to the point where we lack nothing. Amen? So as God shapes us and molds us, James also encourages us that when we lack wisdom, because see, sometimes when we're going through, we lack understanding of God's word to be able to acknowledge or recognize what God is doing. So when we can't acknowledge or recognize that, you know, sometimes what we do is we look at the circumstance of the situation and then we use it as our guide. What am I trying to say? What am I saying is when we go through situations and circumstances, when we don't fully understand what God is doing, what we tend to say is, oh, the devil is doing this. Or, man, I can't stand this individual because he did this to me or they did that to me. What we're saying is God allows it all. And if God allows it all, he's allowing a work in your life from what he allows your life to face. Amen? So when we don't understand, the Bible says, ask God for wisdom. All we have to do is pray. And pray sincerely asking God for what we need. But the Bible says, in faith, nothing wavering. In other words, we can't go to God doubting. Why am I going to go to God if I'm already doubting what I'm asking him for? Amen? So when we ask God for what's necessary for us to be who he called us to be, right? I didn't call myself to be a Christian. He did. So if I'm called to be a Christian, I need what's necessary for him to fulfill it. So when I ask him for the wisdom to be able to fulfill my responsibility as a Christian, I can't ask him wavering. I got to ask him in faith. I got to ask him believing that God is going to give me what's necessary that I can live appropriately that it will please him. Remember now, Christians are not people. They're God people. Amen. See, anytime we fall short and begin to start pleasing people, we stop pleasing God. That's what the word of God says. Amen. So in any situation, we want to always be mindful of God. So we need wisdom to do that. Amen. 
So the Bible says that we got to ask in faith. We can't do it being wavering. In other words, double-minded. See, as a Christian, you can't go to God and you're going to God in one mind. I want to be a Christian. I want to do everything that's necessary. But in the other mind or the unconscious mind, you know, I want to do what I want to do. In other words, we struggle with that, right? I know I'm not the only one struggling with what I want to do. Amen? So when we struggle with that, the Bible says that we have to be careful that when we ask God for what's necessary, that we ask him in faith and not waver. In other words, double-minded, two-spirited. See, if I'm going to go to God, I can't say, God, help me to love my sister, but I'm two-spirited, and I'm saying, man, I can't do her. See, I'm two-spirited. On one occasion, I'm saying what I can't do, but on the other hand, I'm saying, God, give me the ability to do it. Amen? That's double-minded. God says that we can't be double-minded when we come to him. Amen? So as we move forward, God talked about how when we as believers are humble, how we receive from God. Everyone who's humble, we're being blessed by God because God's desire is to bless the humble, is to bless the meek. Amen? The Bible talked about how when we're rich or have we have much, God has to humble us. See, humble people, in other words, people who are somewhat paupers, you know, we come from what they call humble we had much. But let me remind you that pride doesn't take much to be proud. Amen? When we was in our low state not having much, all we needed was a dedicate. All we needed was a Twinkie, a piece of candy, and we walked in front of the other children, nine, 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 look what I got. Amen? So it didn't take much for us to get proud. Amen? So when you look at this, what God has to do with people who have money is because some people with money feel they don't need nobody. So God has to humble those who even have money. Amen? But God does it that they not perish. Likewise, he does it for the humble that they not perish. Amen? The Bible says blessed is a man that endure temptation. In other words, we're blessed whenever we go through what God has put before us and we go through it and we receive everything God wants for us. Because when we receive everything God wants for us and what we go through, the Bible says we are approved of God. Amen? And when we are approved of God, that means we're pleasing to God. Amen? So what we want to do today is we want to take up verse 13. Because this is where we're coming to now in this context of Scripture. Now when we start with verse 13, we're going to deal with verse 13 through 18. And dealing with it in this context, what this scripture is teaching us today is, or what we want to talk about today is, is that God, the author of all that is good. See, God has no evil in him. God has no corrupt nature. Amen? God is all good, and he's all good all the time. Amen? So let us look at this thing. Number one, we want to show that God does not lead us or tempt us to sin. That's not the nature of God. Amen? Though we as believers, yet yeah, we're tempted to sin, though God allows us to be tempted with sin, God does not do the tempting. Amen? The second thing we want to do is we want to help us to understand that we're accountable for our own actions. Because, see, some people believe because we say oh, we're a Christian and God allows us to be in situations, some people will say this. God knew before he allowed me to be in that situation, he knew what I was going to do. So if he knew I was going to sin, it's God's fault, not mine. That's what some people say. 
God knew I was going to be there. He knew I couldn't handle that. So I blame God for my sin. But what we want to show you today is that's a lie. We're all accountable for all our actions. Amen? And the third thing as we close, we want to just show us that God is the author of all good we receive and all that we become. Amen? Number one, God doesn't lead us or tempt us to sin. Verse 13, Sister Ward. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. God himself cannot be tempted with evil. That word tempted means temptable. In other words, there's nothing inside of God that will tempt him. When you look at Jesus, the Bible said that when Jesus was in the world, that Satan or the world had nothing or found nothing in him. In other words, there was nothing in the world or temptations that could draw Jesus to sin. He had the nature of God. By him having the nature of God, he didn't have the nature of sin. So therefore, there was nothing outside of him that can tempt him to sin. Likewise, God. God is holy. He's righteous. He's just. There's nothing in God that's wrong. So God cannot be tempted with wrong because there's no wrong in it. Amen? And we're going to see this. Amen? We want to show you this thing. It's so important. Tempt. Let's look at the word tempt. Tempt defined means to entice, allure, to do something regarded as unwise, wrong, or immoral. So let's just stop right there. Do we believe this God we serve will cause us to do something unwise, wrong, or immoral? Mm-mm. So this is what it's saying. God will never lead us to do anything wrong. Amen? That's why he says, God cannot be tempted, and neither he tempt any man. Read it one more time. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. God doesn't tempt anybody. The Bible teaches us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, he says this to each and every one of us. Because it is written, be ye holy, because I am holy. See, God is a holy God. And God falls no shorter than requiring us to be holy too. Amen? Now remember now, the scriptures teach us that we are partakers of God's holiness. There's nothing holy in this flesh. But the Bible says we can be partakers of his holiness. Because we can be partakers of his divine nature. How can we be partakers of his divine nature? By having the Holy Spirit presently living in us. Amen? See, God doesn't tempt anybody, but we know who does. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, it says this. Then was Jesus led up by the Spirit. See, Jesus didn't go on his own. The Spirit of God led Jesus. It says, into the wilderness to be what? Tempted of the devil. See, Jesus was led by the Spirit, but the Spirit didn't tempt him. It was the devil. See, a lot of us, when we follow God, we're led in different places, and we're tempted. But God does not do the tempting. Amen? Amen. Let's look at the scripture. Turn with me to Job chapter 1. We want to make this relevant for all of us because we need to understand all of us, and that means people who listen by CD, that... God is who he is, and the devil is who he is. Amen? 
Job chapter 1, verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said look, unto Satan. Look, 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 go back again. I want, I want to hear this again. Who came with them? The Bible said Satan came with them. All right? So now let's look at this again. In this particular verse of Scripture, it said that Satan came also among them is what it says. Amen? Now some people will preach this from this context and they'll allude you to believe that sometimes Satan just hang around or sometimes he just comes around. But let me get you to understand, we know Satan can't be in all places at one time. Amen? Again, what did God say? What did he say again? Verse 6, what did Satan's response was? Go ahead. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, mm -hmm. and Satan came also among them. Now what did he say? And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence cometh thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. So what he lets us know is, is that he don't stand still. Satan don't waste no time. He's not standing still anywhere. But what he's doing is moving to and fro. Why? Because he knows wherever he goes, his influence goes. He understands that in the beginning, when he fell, he took a third of the angels with him. Or four. I might be wrong. But it was a lot, and it was a great number. Amen? So if Satan took that many angels with him, which are spirits, we got to understand that even though he's not everywhere at the same time, there's spiritual influences everywhere. They're everywhere. It's like he's just the captain, and he's going around just making sure everybody doing what they're supposed to do. Amen? Look at what it says again. Verse 6 one more time. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. This verse again said came among them. But let me read to you chapter 2, verse 1. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. See, not only us have to answer to God, but Satan has to answer to God. Amen? The Bible says Satan can't tempt no man without God's permission. But I know sometimes we'll look at that and we'll try to figure out, well, man, all these people in the world, how can he get permission by tempting everybody when everybody's at a place at the same time? Don't try to figure it all out. What we need to understand is what the Word says from a perspective and trust God for what we don't know. The Bible says God has all power. He's all-knowing, and he's everywhere at the same time. Amen? And we want to show you. We can limit God's power. Verse 7 again through 12. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence cometh thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth? a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth, doth Job fear God for not? So you think he don't say that about us? Hmm. See, we can be serving God from the depths of our heart. But you think he don't say to God, do we, you think they serve you for nothing? Hmm. 
Go ahead. Has not thou made an hedge about him? Look at, look at what he's saying. And about his house, and about all that he hath on every side. Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. In other words, Satan tells God all the time, they serve you because what you do for them. He always does that. God knows who we are, but let me remind you who don't know who we are sometimes. People on the outside. But I know sometimes I ain't got to prove my Christianity to nobody. God never said prove it. He said let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen. Amen. Go ahead, Sister Ward. But put forth thine hand now. Look at what Satan says to him. And touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. What did he say he'll do? Curse thee to thy face. Mm-hmm. And the, and the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. God gives Satan all the power or the authority that he can have. In other words, Satan doesn't have it on his own. Amen. He doesn't go around and has the power to pick and choose who he can tempt or who he can, who he can persecute. Mm -hmm. God allows it. Amen. Amen. So all I'm trying to get you to see is God will never put more than you can bear. Amen. So we can't blame God when we're tempted. Yeah. He will never put more on us than we can bear. Yeah. Amen. The devil does the tempting. He's the one to try to lead us astray. Not God. Amen. Now, going back to James. Going back to James. Verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. You see what he's saying? See, every one of us, when we are tempted, we're drawn away of our own lust and enticed. See, it's not God, but it's what's in us. Amen. Sister Ward, turn to Mark chapter 7, because we want to always use scripture so we can see and support what we're saying. Amen? Amen. Now turn to Mark chapter 7, and what we want to look at is what Jesus says concerning those Pharisees and scribes, the religious leaders in his day, who complained about his disciples. Mm -hmm. See, Jesus' disciples on this particular day, they had ate, or they were eating food, and they didn't wash their hands. So these religious leaders, they questioned Jesus about his disciples' mannerisms and said to Jesus, why is it that your disciples don't do as the traditions of the elders? Why do they don't do like us as church folk do? Amen? They eat with unwashed hands. In other words, they were concerned about the outside. But Jesus turns it around and lets us know it's not what's on the outside, but it's what's on the inside. See, they complained about them eating with dirty hands like dirty hands were going to defile them. But Jesus says it's not eating dirty food or dirty hands that defile you. Amen? Sister Ward, verse 21. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, <laughs> adulteries. What did he say now? Evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, proud, foolishness. 
and all these evil things come from within. Where they come from? From within and defile the man. But what do they come from out of? They come from within, but what they come out of? The heart. The heart. In other words, the word of God is teaching us clearly that the devil can't test you or tempt you above what's in your heart. If it's in your heart, he can tempt you with it and draw you away with it. It's not God. God just allows us to see ourselves for who we are sometimes. And when he does that, it's to help us and not to hurt us. See, I've not been there where God done exposed some dirt in my life. And when he exposed it, it was to help me and not to hurt me. Because you got to know God knew it before he exposed it. So why did he expose it other than to help me? God ain't trying to hurt us. He's trying to help us. Amen. The devil is trying to hurt us. So we have to acknowledge something. And this is what Job, I mean, Jeremiah wants us to acknowledge. Jeremiah 17 and 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? See, none of us can know our own heart. That's why we pray the Lord's Prayer. Even after communion, Matthew 6, 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God is not the one that leads us to temptation. That's what the devil desire is. It's to lead us, to allure us, to entice us, to turn away from God and his word. That's not God. So why would God allow us to be there? It is to help us to be better, to expose some areas in our life where change need to be made. Amen? Look at verse 15. Verse James, sorry, James 15. Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err. This is something we all have heard by now. If we hadn't heard it, I'm going to mention it again. Sin, it takes you farther than you want to go. Sin, Keeps you longer than you want to stay. Sin costs you more than you're willing to pay. That's what sin does. But the devil never tells us that. He leads us and tempts us by making it look presentable or pleasant or desirable. But never lets us know when we agree with it, number one, soon as we agree with it, we're in no more control. Sin now takes control. Read that verse again, verse 15. Look what it says now. Then when lust has have, have conceived. See, when the desire in our hearts have birthed, look it, what happened. It bringeth forth sin. When we birth it in our heart, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. It brings forth death. Romans 6 and 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. See, that's the blessing of God. God wants us to know, don't blame him when we sin. Just know when we sin, we got an advocate in Jesus Christ. The Bible says the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. We got to know who our Lord is. Amen? See, every good thing or every good gift, God is the author of it. Number two, we're accountable for our own actions. Verse 16. Do not err, my beloved brethren. What did he say again? Simple. Do not err. 
Do not err, my beloved brother. Simple. Do not err. Error means to roam from safety, truth, or virtue. In other words, don't go astray. It's just that simple. But you know how hard that is, even though it's just that simple. It's hard, saints. Turn to Hebrews. We want to show you it's hard. Turn to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Let's look at the word of God. See, this is why Christianity is not for everybody. Because it, it takes a real serious commitment and a real serious sacrifice. The commitment is to God and the sacrifice is to ourselves. And it takes a serious one. Amen? Look at what he says here now. Where, Verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today if ye will hear his voice, hard not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. In other words, he's referring back to the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness and being led by God to the promised land. Mm -hmm. Verse when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years. He said, when your fathers done what now? See, in other words, see, when we have wisdom, what we do is we don't tempt God. See, the children of Israel, the Bible said they tempted God. In other words, they tried God. You know what people say, Ms. Dot, you say this all the time. You say, try Jesus, don't try me. In other words, see, we, 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 we understand that we know ourselves, and in certain situations, we can sit back and say, well, I hope they don't try me. They try God. That's who we better not try. Amen? But the Bible said they tried God. They tried him. They tempted him, and they proved him. That means they tried him, and they tested him. Go ahead, Sister Ward. Wherefore I was grieved with the generation and said, they always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. He said they always err where? In their heart. And they have not known my ways. Saints, it's important for us to know God's ways. When we know God's ways, we want error in our heart. The word error means to vacillate. It means to reel astray. We know what it is to vacillate, right? All of us not had one of the most vacillating fans one time. Side to side. See, God wants us to go straight ahead. God don't want us to be wish-washy. Just, just, just blowing everywhere. Amen? And this is what it means to vacillate. Vacillate, it means to reel. It means to stray. It means to go astray. See, we can go astray, saints, because we error. Because we vacillate. Now, let me help us understand what the word of God is saying. There's several ways we can error. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 22, verse 29, that we can error not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. That's Matthew chapter 22, verse 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, ye do error not knowing the scripture nor the power of God. See, we can error not knowing scripture and the power of God. We also can error by refusing reproof or correction. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 17. He is in the way of life that keepeth instructions, but he that refuses reproof errors. See, when we refuse correction, we error. God always sends us correction, saints. God sends us correction because God wants us to walk perfectly before him. But if we refuse it, 
That's how we err. So many people say, you know what, how I made that mistake, just go back and look at the choice you made. Amen? Anytime we err, it's because we didn't follow the right path. Psalms 19, verse 12 says this. Who can understand his error? That means who can understand their moral fault? If any of us God, ain't none of us God. So we don't know all of our moral faults. We don't know all the word of God. We don't know everything. So the writer says, who can know his error? But you know what he said in the next, next part? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. See, we got to pray and ask God to cleanse us from them concealed faults. See, there's some things that exist in us that we can't see but others can see. Amen? And we got to even ask God to cleanse us of them things. Amen? He said, do not err, my beloved brother. If we're not going to err, we got to be cleansed. We need to be clean. Number three, as we close. God is the author of good or of the good we receive and that we become. Look at verse 17. James chapter 1. Every good, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. What did he say now? Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Every one of them. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no vari variableness, neither shadow of turning. Neither shadow of turning. In other words, God does not change. Amen? God is not a God that he should lie, Pastor Harley said earlier. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. See, it's because God doesn't change that he ain't consumed us. Because the Bible says his mercies endure forever. We ain't done so good now that we should be here. But it's because he hasn't changed is why we still here. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail of not. See, God's compassions don't fail. Now, we know about us. Boy, our compassions have failed on one another in a minute. And boy, we're ready to throw one another to the wolves. Amen? But see, God is not like man. Amen? Again, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. John 3, 16, 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Man, Jesus goes as far as to say, if you don't even receive or obey or hear what I got to say, I still don't judge you. Because he knows it's coming a time that he will judge us. But long as we got breath in our body, he doesn't judge us. Amen? So that's why as Christians, we shouldn't judge one another. We can't judge nobody else's sin. That's, good. that's Jesus' job. Amen? We judge one another under righteousness. Now let's help us understand that. So we still understand we're not judges, but the Bible says we help one another. In other words, if a brother's caught in a fault, we restore that brother or sister in the spirit of meekness. We help them be restored. That's how you judge under righteousness. Amen? 
It's not saying judging on the righteous by saying, oh, Miss Dot, you did that, and it's what the words say. That don't make it judging on the righteousness. What make it righteous is my actions. It's not what I say. It's what I do. Amen? See, so many people want to judge based on what they say and not what they do. See, what you say and what you do got to line up. Amen? I can't say it and not do it. Amen? Romans 5, verse 8 says, God committed his love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Man, Jesus died for all of us. I ain't died for nobody. So who am I? You ain't died for nobody. So who are you? Amen? Remember now, we'll help us together with one another that we all can meet and see this same Jesus and hear those faithful words. Well done, that good and faithful servant. Amen? See, all of us looking for that. And the sad reality of it is is we forget sometimes I need you to hear that. See, I can't hear it without you. Amen? But we forget that sometimes. We think we can hear that on our own. <laughs> no, it don't work that way. Amen? As we close, verse 18, Sister Ward. Of his own will be got he us with the word of truth. See, God done this for us. We didn't do it for ourselves. Of his own will begot he us. With the word of truth. God didn't redeem us with no foolishness, gold, precious stones, or jewelry, money, cars, houses. He didn't redeem us with that stuff. But the Bible says he redeemed us with his word. First Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Psalms 107, verse 20. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions, from their pitfalls. See, it's all God. It's all God, saints. God is the author of all that is good. Not only all the good we receive, but all the good that we become. Amen? I want to share this last thing with you. I got to say this. As Christians, we always got to understand. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 reminds us. I think it's around verse 7, somewhere in that area, 6 or 7. But he talks about how, might have been a later verse, but he talks about how if you receive the gift, what do you have to brag about? Did you not receive it? So if you received it, it was given to you. So we have no reason to brag. See, as a believer today, whatever you have, God gave it to you. So we ain't got no reason to brag, but every reason to praise, every reason to glorify and honor him. See, it's never to lift me up in pride that I can look down on the next man and say, I got it and you don't. Because if that's the attitude I have, the Bible says I will be judged with the same judgment. Amen. So as Christians, our main goal, our main focus is, is to always have an understanding of God's word. When we have an understanding of God's word in all situations and everything we go through, we know how to act and conduct and govern ourselves. Because that's what chapter 1 is talking about. Chapter 1 is just outlining how Christians should govern and conduct themselves. Whether it's in persecutions, whether it's being humble by having nothing, or whether it's having a lot. We got to know how to govern and conduct ourselves. Amen? Amen. Amen.